The following is recorded for Marine Creek Church. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. How are we doing? How are we, are we excited? Man. I didn't sleep at all last night. I don't know about you. <laughs> I have so much adrenaline going. I haven't had any caffeine. I don't drink caffeine, but I've got so much adrenaline going through my system. I'm probably going to take the nap of all naps later. But you know what's exciting? Um, we only have two services today. I'm going to have to preach twice. So, and and I'm kind of I'm kind of bummed about that. With all this extra energy, I'm like, dude, let's do another one. Um, I I am so grateful for you being here. Um, there, it's, if this is your first time to the creek, it's all of our first time. <laughs> so we're all in the same boat together. Um, but if this is your first time, there's a guest card in the seat back in front of you. You fill that out, just level of your comfort. We'd like to get some information to you about who we are. Uh, we're not, uh, we're, we're crazy, honestly. We love to celebrate Jesus and we love to get together and, and, and make it all about him. And so if you'll drop that in the giving station on your way out, we will get some information to you. I told you uh, last week um, that uh, it'd be mattresses on the floor. Um, we had some trouble with the internet this morning, and I know that was a little bit of hectic trying to get your kids checked in. Thank you for bearing with us. Um, it's the same thing. You know, we're, we're, we're learning some things. Uh, we're, we're learning how, to, how everything runs and how everything works, and I'm excited about it. I'm excited about today. Um, there are some people that, that, I, that I, I can't thank everyone enough. I mean, from the, from the hours so many of you spent up here putting together those crazy kids' furniture things um, to the Ikea explosion that happened um, to everything. I mean, you guys were running around, guys and ladies, putting stuff away, moving stuff and setting stuff. It's just this week was the great setup, Charlie Brown. Um, you know, I was... Next week, our setup and teardown team is probably going to sleep all Saturday because the first time in four and a half years, we don't have setup. And so it's, it's exciting. Also, our teardown team, which is also most of the same, setup and teardown, they're going to get to go eat lunch at a normal time after this service. So I want to thank you guys for that. Um, <laughs> I'm used to eating lunch about 3.30 on Sunday afternoon. We call it Leonard, um, lunch and dinner. We can't do brunch. It's called Leonard. Um, to all the volunteers, and there's some, there's some, some people that I want to help that, that helped us out, or thank that helped us along the way, and um, our, our staff, I, I could not do this without our staff. Um, they have supported me, they have, they have carried me, they have listened to me rant, they have listened to me, they've watched me go through all kinds of crazy emotions, and they have helped us stay focused and, and, and keep the ministry, the ministry, and the, the building, the building, and keeping those separate. And so if you see any of our staff, just hug on them. Any of our elders and, and board, I see Donnie Beebe, one of our board members back there, buddy. Thank you, man. Donnie had to endure the long financial phone calls and going, I don't know, man. Um, and uh, our banker, Mike Monroe, where are you at? I see, there you are. I'm learning where everybody's at. Everybody's in different places now. I'm used to you being in white plastic chairs, and there's only about three rows in front of me, and then you're all in the coves. And so greeting time is really a beating right now. I've got to say that. I want to get around to everybody. We're going to have to make that song like 10 more minutes because I, I never made it out of my little corner. And you know this, nobody puts baby in the corner, so I, I need to figure out how to get all over the room. So, um, but Mike, thank you. Our, uh, our bankers, our lawyers, um, everyone just full of integrity. And, and there is one, uh, he may be hiding. Is Andrew in here? Um, my brother is our church architect. Hey, Andrew, he's in the sound booth. 
Um, I'm not saying this just because he's my brother, but I've never met anybody with such integrity. And he was able to walk in and look at an empty shell and say, I can do something with this. And so what you see is the creative genius uh, in his mind. And uh, I want to thank you, Andrew, for, for designing such a wonderful facility. Thank you, guys. Um, Devin is here from our contractors, our builders, and uh, thank you guys, man. You put a lot of work in. It, the, the, last, the last four to six weeks, they've been working really hard and as we've been waiting. I mean, that's been the joke. If you don't know the four to six week joke, we've been in the four to six week window for a long time. And some of those things we've had to deal with, text dot and just city stuff, and, and, uh, but, but we're here. Um, but there, I, I want to thank my mom and dad. Um, and and I, my mom, I saw you. You're, there's my mommy. Hey, mommy, love you. And my dad's back wandering around. I love you guys. I, I couldn't do anything without them. And, and then uh, my family, man, Abby and, and Heather, uh, thank you. They have endured late nights, um, a lot of nights where I'm stuck in the office and, and trying to figure out running a church and running a building project and wh- what's going to happen and how to do all this. And um, thank you. I owe you a vacation. Um, and... Uh, <laughs> I love you. Uh, that goes on record. We'll have to edit that in the podcast. I didn't say when. Because somebody, I know uh, somebody said we got parking issues. Um, please have some grace. Um, internet parking issues. Uh, just have some grace. We're we're gonna figure some things out. We're new in this too. We had we we got four and a half years to figure out a lot of things in the daycare. We're gonna figure some things out here. So thank you for that. And and I'm excited. You're here. And uh, we're here, and we're here because God is good, and, and uh, I, I just, I, I'm so excited. Um, if you've got your Bible, go to 1 Samuel chapter 14. If you don't have a Bible, we have some ushers that'll help get you one. If you just want to slip your hands up, we're not going to embarrass you or anything, um, but if you need a Bible, we have one for you, and uh, they will bring you one. Uh, we, we, uh, if you don't own one, man, that's our gift to you. I got a new Bible today. It's is a brand new Bible. So I retired the one that I've used in, in the Explore Center for the last four and a half years. March 21st, 2010 was that Bible. And today is a new date for this Bible. And I got to get this. I mean, it's kind of got that new Bible stiffness, you know. And some pages are stuck together. Probably like a lot of our Old Testament, you know. We don't like to spend time there. <laughs> it's got that new Bible smell. And uh, I'm excited. But 1 Samuel 14, let me give you some background on uh, what's going on with this story. Uh, this is a story that five years ago, uh, God walked me through really in some, some crazy detail uh, because that's where I was in, at the place in life. And um, so you understand five years ago next week, Heather and I stood before our previous church and said, this is what God's calling us to do. We didn't know where, we just knew he was calling us to launch a church. And, and uh, we stood before him, and here we are, five years later. Um, our church launched just over four and a half years ago, and uh, we started in a, our first meeting was in my parents' living room, and we said, this is what God's calling us to do, and I, I think there's 20-something of us, and um, 27 of us launched, and we launched in Amber and Ryan's game room. Um, we, the adults were upstairs, the kids were downstairs, so we would go down if we heard glass breaking or anything like that. You know, other than that, we could yell at them from upstairs, like, calm down, settle down, um, watch the TV. I don't, you know, 
And then, then we had an incredible opportunity to move into the Explore Daycare Center. And from there, God just kind of grew things. And uh, it's amazing to see what he's done in, in almost five years. And uh, this story, though, is really kind of hit home because I had a choice to make five years ago. And the choice is going to be the same thing I'm going to confront you guys with today. And that's fall asleep or charge the hill. Um, this, the background on what's going on here, Saul is the king of Israel. And he had been appointed king by the prophet Samuel. And he is leading the, the army of Israel against the Philistine army. And uh, it, it's, it, Saul's pretty dejected because what's gone on is Saul already understands that he is no longer going to be king. He had disobeyed God. The prophet said, hey, you have disobeyed God. You are not going to remain king much longer. God had another guy in mind. He had, the other guy he had in mind was David. And David, the man after God's own heart, one of the greatest kings of Israel, the great shepherd of Israel. And then he wanted to build the temple, and God said no, and Solomon built it. Solomon was David's son. So Saul was the beginning in the line of these kings of Israel, and he was at war with the Philistine army. It, now what was going on in, in Israel is all of the, the weapons had been confiscated. They were sharpening farm tools to fight the Philistine army. There were two swords in Israel's army, Saul held one, and Jonathan, Saul's son, held the other. And they find themselves in this place, and, and I'll pick it up here, uh, it's chapter 14, and uh, one day Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who carried his armor, come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah in the pomegranate cave at Migron. The people who were with them were about 600 men, including Ahijah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, the son of uh, Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord in Shiloh, wearing an ephod. Ephod's a, a priestly garment. What he's doing, he's just setting the scene. There's 600 troops for Israel's army, and they're all together. And if you're, if you're hung up on the names, just say the first name. Like if you'd be like, um, including A, the son of A, you know. That's what I do, because so many times we'll get hung up on the names. We're like, what are these names? And we miss the meaning in the story. But you got the Israel, Israel's, Israelites camped out, 600 men. You've got Saul. He's in the pomegranate cave, the pomegranate grove. Some translations say he was sleeping under the pomegranate tree. And you've got Jonathan and his armor bearer. And the people did not know Jonathan had gone. Within the passes uh, by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a rocky crag on one side and one on the other. One on the one name of one was Bozes, and the name of the other was Senna. The one crag rose on the north in front of Michmash, and the other the south in front of Geba. What you've got is you've got Jonathan. I'm trying to paint the scene for you. Jonathan has walked away from his dad. His dad's taken a nap under the pomegranate tree. Jonathan, the guy that carries his armor into battle, they go over, and there's, there's two cliffs, and there's a hill in the middle. And so Jonathan's looking at that. It, it, I want you to have the scene here. There's, there's rocky cliffs on either side. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, come, let us go over to the garrison of these un uncircumcised. That's trash talk, by the way. That's Old Testament trash talk. It may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. And his armor bearer said to him, do all that is in your heart, do as you wish. Behold, I am with you, heart and soul. Then Jonathan, Jonathan said, behold, we will cross over to the men and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand, and stand still in our place and we will not go up to them. 
But if they say, come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has given them into our hand, and this shall be the sign to us. So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, and the Philistines said, look, Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they are hiding. And the men of the garrison held Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us, and we'll show you a thing. That's also trash talk. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet and his armor bearer after him. And they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer killed them after. At that first strike, which Jonathan and his armor bearer made, killed about 20 men within, as it were, a half furrow's length or half an acre. And there was panic in the camp, in the field and among the people. The garrison and even the raiders trembled. The earth quaked and it became a great panic. So what you've got in this scene is you've got Jonathan coming up and about a half an acre the soldiers are falling before Jonathan and his armor bearers using the one of only two swords to finish him off and and five years ago five and a half years ago really summer of 2009 I read this story and God gave me the choice he said you can sit and you can fall asleep under the pomegranate tree or you can charge the hill what are you going to do? And I'd like to say I'm that spiritual to where I immediately said, I'm charging the hill, man. But I'm like, I'm like most people I know. I mean, we find ourselves at the base of a mountain and we have choices to make. I mean, I had to sit there and I had to, I had to come across a clear choice. And I'd like, I, I can tell you now looking back, it was as clear and, and God was making it as clear as fall asleep, charge the hill. But in the middle of everything that was going on in my life, there's so many other things to think about, so many choices to make. And so I'm at the base of this mountain going, what about my family? What about, what about bills? What about all the things that, that, that God, that, that I kind of insulated myself with? And we all find ourselves at that base and we all have the same choices to make. When you get there, you think, do I stay here? Do I go back the way I came? And there's no way to go back. I mean, we can go back and relive the memories, but there's no way to go back there. There's a commercial. Have you seen the commercial where the guys, it's in a diner, and some, one of the guys mentions college, and all the guys want to go back to college? I don't want to go back to college. That was the longest 10 years of my life. <laughs> Eight of which were at TCC. <laughs> you think I'm joking. I, I had focus issues, okay? If TCC gave a doctoral degree, I should have it. I don't want to go back, especially to college. But we, we have the choice to make. Are we going to stay here or are we going to go forward? And I, I really think when you look at, at Jonathan and Saul, they're in the same place physically, but emotionally and spiritually, they couldn't be more far apart. But you, you've got Saul who's already dejected. He's feeling a little bit like, well, well God's abandoned me because he's already picked another king and I'm not going to get to be that guy anymore. He's facing an army and he's like, I, we've got... We've got sharpened farm tools to face an entire army of our enemy. I've got one sword. My son's got the other. I don't, I don't know what to do. I'm going to sit here and wait. 
And he starts getting so comfortable that he falls asleep. Jonathan can't get comfortable. Jonathan's like, I got to do something. He, I mean, hey, Jonathan, I don't know if he's got the twitch or what. I mean, I'm, maybe he's got adrenaline like I've got this morning. But he's like, I just can't do nothing. To sit still is unheard of in this situation. He says, hey, well, I'm, we're going to go pick a fight. We're going to do what God's called us to do. We, we find ourselves as a church at that choice today, at that base of the mountain. Because we've got an incredible facility. I mean, God has incredibly blessed us. He's incredibly blessed us with a relationship with Heartsong, who's going to have service. After, they've got a service after hours. And how God has brought that together in a creative way that I, I'm not smart enough to imagine. And we've got a choice to make. Do we get so comfortable here and we make ourselves, uh, we come in here, make ourselves feel better about each other and insulate ourselves from everything going on in, in the world? And eventually we fall asleep. And that's a choice we have to make. Or do we want to say, God, you've brought us to the base of this mountain and we're staring at a new mountain and we're going to charge the hill? I can tell you, I'm so grateful that when I told God, all right, I'm going to charge the hill. And I looked at my wife and said, this is what God's calling us to do. And she said, I'm with you, heart and soul. Can I tell you that God's brought us together and unity exists in this body and we've got to be with each other, heart and soul, because we've got an incredible responsibility ahead of us. And it doesn't mean finding ourselves in comfort. Now, I love comfort just as much as anybody. But, but every decision we make, every choice we make, there, there are risks associated with those choices. And when we start tracking down the risks in this story, Jonathan laid the greatest risk of all. See, Saul's risk... He fell asleep, but there's still a risk with getting comfortable because eventually you're just going to start to fade away. The risk is he's out of the fight. When you start, when you start looking at this, there's, a, there's an incredible battle that took place. Jonathan's risk was all on the line. He laid it all in, death. He said, I'm going all out. He said, God may do something and he may not, and I know God's able to do it. And he can save whether by many or by few. We're two men against an entire army. I'm carrying one of two swords that the Israel, Israel army has. And I'm going for it. But Saul's risk is that when that got stirred up because we read the story and Jonathan charges the hill, they start, they start taking out the army. There's a panic that happens and all of a sudden the fight's on. If, if you're asleep, the risk is you're going to stay asleep until the fight's right in your front, in your, in your lap. And you're going to wake up and you're going to be unprepared to fight. It's going to take you time to figure out what's going on. It's like being woken up in the middle of the night. You ever have those dreams where you hear a noise in your dream and you wake up thinking, did I really hear that or was that in my dream? A couple nights ago, I had a dream and I thought I heard a gunshot. And let me tell you, I came out of the bed ready to go. It's on. But I realized I was dreaming it. I woke up the other, a couple weeks ago, and I thought I heard singing, and our dog was singing in his sleep. 
I, 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 I thought, oh, that's cute. <laughs> he stopped after that. When you come out of a sleep, it takes you a little while to get, your, get yourself set straight. Jonathan said, I'm not going to sleep. I'm going to the fight. I'm taking the risk. The risk was being visible. He said, we're going to show ourselves to the enemy. And they're going to respond. And we're going to react. And we're going to, we're going to handle that response. And when they said, come on up here, we're going to teach you something. He said, that's the response that God said, you got them. And they went up and handled business. You see, there's a risk with us being here. And I can tell you over the last eight months of construction, and we started negotiating this, this agreement and this partnership in, in March of 2013. And I can tell you the enemy has been fighting it all the way. I mean, just some of the craziest things that, that he's, he's throwing at us. Good friends of ours, their, their marriages are just dissolving. You guys, the things that you've gone through with jobs, with health, with finances, the attacks he's had on our team. You see, he has a goal. He wants to steal from us, he wants to kill us, and he wants to destroy us. And I would much rather take the risk of charging the enemy down because Jesus said the gates of hell won't prevail against us. And I would rather take the risk of charging in than sitting back and waiting for the enemy to bring it to me. And that risk of visibility means a lot because here's the reality. The enemy hates that we're here because my decision, my choice, my hope and prayer for us as the church is that we're going to charge the hill. This isn't a place to, for us just to come in and say, look, this is, this is really nice. I'm, it's good to be home. Let's just stay home. Nah, we're going to go out. We're going to go out we're going to pick a fight with the enemy. Because see, on this map behind me, there are thousands and thousands and thousands of people who are hurting, who are broken, who are in hopeless situations, despair. You know what? And God's called us to go from that dot into all the world and give them the greatest news, the greatest hope, to bring reconciliation, to bring freedom, to bring healing, to bring life, to bring the gospel to those people. And here's what I can tell you. There's no way we would ever build a facility big enough to contain all the people around that dot. So that means we've got a hill to charge. That means we go get them. That means we take the fight to the enemy and we engage in it. That's a risk. But here's, here's what I know. Um, that visibility, light of the world, you are the light of the world, the city on a hill. I, did I tell them the story in this service? How that, I, I figured I was getting that look like I forgot something. I, had to, I knew I forgot something. And I, that light of the world, let me tell you where the story of that song came from. Um, the weekend we closed on this facility, we gathered up here. We said, hey, you know what? We're going to go up there. We're going to pray. We don't know what else to do. 
So we gathered in here. There were no walls, nothing. I mean, there was some piles of trash. There was a pile of insulation over there that I know there was a dead bird. And I know there was something else that might have been living in that. So I, I chose to pick a different area to pray. But we, we all lined the inside of this facility and we circled up. And I asked our staff to be in different places. And so we're shouting out prayers and, and, and things like that and, and just, just praying for this place, praying for you, praying for everything that was going to happen here. And in that section over there is where the children's area is. After we got done praying, the kids just kind of broke out in some spontaneous worship. And they started singing, We Are the Light. And I looked at Heather and I said, Whenever we get in here, our kids are going to sing that because that was, for me, just an incredible moment where our kids were leading us. You know what? Our kids were visible this morning. I saw the mamarazzis out there. Uh-huh. They were visible. When we step out and say, God, I'm going to do what you've called me to do, what you've created me to do, what you've equipped me to do, that means I'm, I'm, I'm being visible. I'm putting myself out there, God, for you to use, but I'm putting myself out there because the enemy's going to see me. And when the enemy sees me, then God, I'm drawing down on him. And I'm going to take the enemy out. And I'm going to continue to do what you called me to do. Because here, here's the risk. We step out before the panic happens. In this story, I wish, I wish every time God would do it this way, I think we'd probably minimize it if we could. I mean, just because we have that tendency. But if you notice in the story, it wasn't until Jonathan started attacking that the earthquake and the panic happened. We want the earthquake and the panic to happen in the enemy before we go up the hill. Like, well, I just want to know it's okay. Because our tendency is, how do I minimize the risk? I mean, I want to make a good choice for you, God, but I want minimal risk. I mean, I want big upside, low downside. I can tell you this from the story and from personal experience. The ground quakes when we engage. And God says, you're going to do your part. You're going to do what I've called you to do, and I'll do mine. Because I, I, don't, I don't just want to be a part of a church. I want to be a part of a movement. And God calls us to a movement that creates momentum and makes an impact. You see, the, the, the beauty of that is we started in a living room, to a game room, to a daycare, to here, to whatever knows, whoever knows what God's going to do. But here's what I know. I've seen God build momentum. I've seen lives impacted. Every one of us are in this room because we made a choice to be here. And we took a risk, whether, whether you see it as great or small, we took a risk to be in here. But we came in here to be a part of a movement because we want to impact the world and we want to see that momentum grow. And that's what we continue to do. That's where we continue to fight. That's the hill that's before us.
Do we sit and get comfortable or do we charge the hill? Now, I know, uh, I know those chairs are comfortable, aren't they? They're not more comfortable than the, the white plastic chairs that they care. Well, I'm sorry. It's fixing to get uncomfortable in here. Because I've been talking a lot about the church and about our mission and our vision. I want to talk about us. I want to talk about you. Because when I started talking about charging the hill or falling asleep, a lot of you probably started, it started ticking in your brain something that, that maybe, maybe God's been challenging you with. Maybe you don't know it's God, but you've been challenged with something. And maybe he's starting to connect some dots today. Because he's going to say, you're here, and you're here for a purpose. And it's your choice to walk out of here unchanged or walk out of here completely transformed. But every one of us, God has, God has put something on our heart. I, the question I'll ask you is, what dreams or burdens has God put on your heart? And I say burden because, see, I could dream about launching a church, and God could put that dream on me. And I go, that's really neat. But, but the thing is, with a dream, I can always keep it a dream. With a burden, God lays a burden on you, and he starts to let it get heavier and heavier and heavier. And he says, I'm ready for you to charge the hill. When you're ready to charge the hill, I'm going to make this light. And I'm going to give you everything you need. But this is what I'm calling you to do. Some of you have that. Some of you have ministry in your mind. Some of you have these things that, God, I feel like you're calling me to do this. Let this be your wake-up call. Get out from under the pomegranate tree. And there, God has brought someone around you to be your armor bearer. God has brought someone around you that when you share that dream, when you risk telling that person what that dream is, they're not going to say you're crazy. They're going to look you in the eyes and they're going to say, I'm with you, heart and soul. Let's charge the hill. Or maybe, maybe the question is to get a little bit more identification is, what is something that, that I desire to do for God that I felt impossible? Because I can tell you, to think five years ago to this moment, I would have said, God, it's impossible. Two years ago, to think about this day, I would have said, God, it's impossible. Some of you have gotten diagnosis. Some of you have gone through the incredible relationship trauma and how the pieces of your life are gonna get pulled back together. You think, God, it's impossible. I can tell you this, with God, all things are possible. How can I tell you that with such surety? Because my life has been changed because a man named Jesus charged a hill. And he charged the hill, bearing the weight of the sin of the world on his back. Every curse, every shame, every ounce of brokenness that we will ever face, he charged the hill for. And when he got to the top of the hill, he laid himself on a cross. The panic happened when he set foot into hell and he took down hell without firing a shot. 
that the power and presence of, of Jesus alone, the name above every name, that every knee will bow and confess that he is Lord. The devil himself had to humble himself before Jesus in his own home and hand the keys over. And the same power that called him up the hill called him out of the tomb. And the same power that called him out of the tomb called him up to the right hand of the Father that we read about. And as he went up, the Holy Spirit, who is here, who is welcome here, filled us, his temple. With God, all things are possible. It is his power at work. So the choice is, are you going to fall asleep? Or are you going to charge the hill? Would you pray with me? Father, we love you. We thank you so much that you put before us choices. So many times you give us that choice. You say, look, I put before you life and death, blessing and curse. Choose life. Choose blessing. And I, I pray that every one of us in this room will walk in the same unity as Jonathan and the armor bearer, that when you say we're going to charge the hill, we say, Lord, we're with you, heart and soul. Lord, I pray for those people in this room that have those, those ideas, those desires, or those burdens on their heart that they thought were impossible. I pray that you start giving light to those. I pray that you give them, give them energy, God. Get them up. Get them up from beneath the pomegranate tree. Get them on their feet. Give them the courage to tell their plan to the armor bearer. Give them the strength to walk up the hill. Give them the, the ears to hear you and to recognize when you've given the battle. Give them the, the, the courage to step into that small space with the enemy and fight. And Lord, as you begin to shake and create panic in the enemy, Lord, I pray for lives to be changed and for that momentum to carry, that just as that panic created momentum, the entire army of Israel overtook the Philistine army. You call us to movement that creates momentum that makes an impact. God, we want to make an impact as we leave this place. Help us to go into all of these places on the map around us. They're not just lines and letters. It's hearts and lives. Help us to go after them. Lord, this is our battle cry. We charge the hill. We say, we're with you. We're in. We're heart and soul. We're laying it on the line. Here we go. And Lord, if there's anyone in this room that has never put their faith in you, the God of the impossible, Lord, help them to realize, not through my words, but through you, that you charged the hill for us. And that we're sitting right where we are, we can say, God, I, I turn it over to you. I'm tired of going through life sleepy. I'm tired of falling asleep when you call me to go. And Lord, I, I turn it over. I lay my life in your hands. All the shame, all the guilt, all the sin, all the brokenness that I bring into this room, I'm leaving in this room. And I'm leaving here with your power at work. Lord, I pray that you give them the courage in a minute that, that as our prayer partners come forward, that you give them the courage to let them know what they've just made the decision to do.
so that we can walk with them, so that we can be the first person to say, I'm with you, heart and soul. Lord, we love you and we thank you. Marine Creek Church is located in Fort Worth, Texas. If you have any questions, feel free to visit our website at www.marinecreekchurch.com. Thank you.